given us here today. Lord, and I pray that we would be faithful with it, to invest it, and utilize it well. Lord, thank you for these men. I'm grateful for them and for their heart to know you and to study your word and pray that your word would indeed do its work in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, good to be back with you and to uh, see you here again. I know last week we were off um, because of the men's conference, and I hope that all of you were able to take advantage of that and be here for that. Uh, it was really just uh, a great time together. I was so grateful for uh, Kempis Hernandez's ministry to us over uh, last Friday night and Saturday morning and afternoon. Uh, it was great to have him here, and he really had some just very... I would call it profoundly practical instruction out of the book of James for us, and I trust that uh, that was a blessing to you. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that those sessions were all recorded and should be on the website at this point. I haven't checked that, but they should be on the website. So if you weren't able to be there Friday and Saturday, or you were there Friday but not Saturday, or vice versa, uh, go online and get access to those. I think you guys will be really encouraged by them. You can listen to those as you're going about your daily business or raking your leaves um, this weekend. Um, word to the wise, I would accomplish that here today while it's 80 and not tomorrow while it's whatever it's going to be, 35 and rainy. So uh, this is the opportunity. You know, I was amazed because I blew all my leaves off on Wednesday morning and I thought, good, I'm glad I got that done. And then I woke up, um, I think, yesterday and the, the tree in my backyard had just decided overnight, I think, to just drop all of its leaves. I said, well, I guess I know what I'm going to be doing here come Friday afternoon. So that's, that's the plan for later today. You don't even need the tree. Yeah, the leaves just blow in from the neighbor's trees. Yeah, no, I, I've got that happening too. Don't worry. So that's good. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, get started here. I know because we did not meet last week, some of you men had questions on you know, the schedule and the homework and how all that's going to work out. Um, what I would say is this, um, just keep doing the homework as it's scheduled in the syllabus, okay? I know um, there should be a place online now where you can go and report on last week's reading, even though we didn't meet, and this week's reading, but in order to keep things from getting all jumbled up, we'll just keep marching through and just follow the syllabus, and whatever is due when, just do that. Um, we're not going to add a week because the week after our final week would be Thanksgiving, and I will be too full of turkey to stand up here and teach at 6.30 on Friday morning. Um, so we're not going to do that to you guys. Um, so we, our final week will still be the 17th, and we're going to kind of combine some things. Um, Pastor Alex is going to be up here teaching next week, and he's going to combine a couple lessons together. Um, and then I'll be back the last two weeks, and um, we've, got, um, we've got some ways to make sure that we still cover all the material. So never fear. We're not going to miss anything. It's all going uh, to be just fine. That is the plan, right, Pastor Alex? Okay, good. Yeah, He's awake this morning. That's good. Me too. Okay, any questions about that? All right, we answered them. Good. Well, then let's go ahead and dig in here and uh, get started on our material for today. So today we're going to talk about the issue of spiritual gifts, something that uh, I'm really looking forward to with you men because I think that there's such a misunderstanding of what these are and how they're supposed to function 
which is really unfortunate because Scripture doesn't make it hard to understand. They're, they're, they're really not challenging to get, uh, but they are uh, pictured in the New Testament as being just critical for the health of the church. Um, when the, the body is operating the way that it's supposed to be and we all understand the idea of spiritual giftedness and we're leaning in to exercise those gifts, the purpose of those gifts is that the body of Christ would be strengthened and function in the way that he intended for it to function. And so when we're understanding this concept and we're applying it correctly, the church is going to be directly strengthened. It is going to be better than if we did not understand it, which makes the subject matter we have before us this morning just really inherently very practical, not only for our own spiritual health, but for the spiritual health of our church. And so I'm really thankful that you guys made the time to be here this morning um, and that in God's providence, this is the material that stands before us here today, okay? You know, when I was, I don't know, probably 12, 13 years old and just starting to explore my own faith a little bit, that was kind of the point at which it started to go from being my parents' faith to my faith, and I was thinking through, like, what, what is this, and does it really work, and is it for me? Um, I, I went through a spiritual gifts test. Um, at that point, I don't think the internet was really that much of a thing yet, um, if I recall. It was coming out of a book, and it was an appendix in a book somewhere that my dad gave to me, and it was this, like, hundred-question test that you were supposed to take and then quantify, and voila, at the end, if you did the test correctly, out would pop your spiritual giftedness. And I remember taking that thinking, is this, is this really the way that spiritual gifts are, are supposed to be identified through some kind of academic you know, test where if I add up the numbers correctly, um, and if I'm between like a zero and a one, I have this gift, or between a nine and a 10, I've got that gift. And, you know, I, is that really the way that spiritual gifting functions? Um, and the more that I grew in my faith and um, then going to school and the seminary after that, the more I began to realize that is actually not the way that spiritual gifts are quantified or identified at all. There is uh, a much better way that is more in line with the way those gifts are given and the way that they're meant to be utilized. Um, and that's what I want to get into with you here this morning. So this morning, uh, I'm not going to give you an online link to a spiritual gifts test because I don't, frankly, have a whole lot of use for those. But I do, at the, at the end of this time, want you to have an awareness of how to know what your spiritual gifting is. Um, test or no test, okay? There, there will be no test here today. I think we'll be able to work through this material and hopefully bring some clarity to you men. All right, so let's just dive in here and start working our way through this. Um, I want to start with the definition of spiritual gifts. And to do that, um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, and just establish the reality of the fact that God indeed does give us gifts. Ephesians 4, 7 through 8. All right? Uh, can somebody read that for us once you get there? Okay, now what's really interesting here is I was looking at this text here yesterday is that there are gifts, there's a giving of gifts that's referenced two times in this text. The first time, it's singular. The second time, it's plural. The first time, it's called the gift of Christ, the measure of Christ's gift. But the second time, it's a little bit more general. He gave gifts, plural, 
two men. After he had ascended on high, leading a host of captives, he then gave gifts to those men. Gifts plural there. So there's two different gifts that are being given here. All right, and that really is something that we that we need to understand. You in your spiritual walk have essentially been given two different kinds of gifting. Okay, the first kind of gifting that you've been given we could call the gift of Christ. What? Any guesses what the gift of Christ would be? Salvation. And who is it that accomplishes or affects the working of that salvation or regeneration in your life? The Holy Spirit. Okay? That's exactly what we've been studying in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I will send my spirit to you. I will give him to you. And that's seen in the Gospel of John as being the greatest of gifts from Christ that we now have the indwelling presence of God within our life. And that's the first gift that is given. According to Ephesians 4, 7, that is the grace that is granted to us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He has given to us His Holy Spirit. And so gift number one, you could say the Holy Spirit is a universal and general gift from God. What I mean by that is that he is, I don't mean that everybody gets him. This is not universalism. That's not what I'm teaching you. Let's be very clear. What I'm I'm saying here is that the Holy Spirit is a universal gift to all who believe. To everyone who comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ, they instantly receive the Holy Spirit, which is an event known as the what? Baptism. Of the Holy Spirit. We studied that several weeks ago. Good job. You guys are passing the pop quizzes this morning. I like it. All right. So there's a universal gift that's given to all believers, and he's given in a general sense that, namely, all the benefits that come with having the Holy Spirit in your life, um, they're available to every believer. And so you can go back and look at a passage like Romans 8 and see the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit, right? He is our helper there. Um, He intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. That is a benefit that is available to every believer. You could go back and look at um, 1 Peter chapter 1, the inheritance that is yours, that is undefiled, reserved, waiting in heaven for you. That is a benefit. That sealing is a benefit of the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So those general gifts of the Holy Spirit, the general benefits of belonging to the family of God that are yours through the Holy Spirit, That's the first sense in which you have been gifted by God. The the fruit of this first gift is what we've been studying in John 14 through 16, and it encompasses the Spirit's work in the believer. The work that God is doing in me is a result of the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the first kind of gifting. Now, when we talk about spiritual gifts, that's not the gift we're talking about. Okay? But I want to make sure that we understand the difference. The first gift you've been given is the Holy Spirit. But when we talk about spiritual gifts proper, that isn't the gifting we're we're discussing. Even though it is a gift, that's not the gift that's being referenced when we talk about spiritual gifts. That, spiritual gifts, is really in reference to the second kind of gift that believers are given. So that's where we get into gift number two. Upon arrival... He grants unique and special gifts to us as individuals for life within the body of Christ. And I think that's what's being referenced there in verse 8 when it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, that's us, and he gave gifts to men. 
Namely, he equipped them, plural, right? We all have gifts, but those gifts now, they are unique to each and every one of us, and they are special for a specific kind of work within the family of God, okay? So upon the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit grants unique and special gifts to us as individuals for life within the body of Christ. And this unique gift is, or gift set, you might say, is the way by which the Spirit chooses to work through the believer. So gift number one is the Holy Spirit. That's how God works in the believer. Gift number two, though, this idea of spiritual gifts that are unique to you, that is the way that, the, that, that God chooses to work through you. So gift one, him working in you. Gift two is now him equipping you so that he is capable of working through you. That's the difference between these two giftings. Is that clear? Any questions about that? No. All right, good. Let's get into specifically what this idea of unique and specific special gifts are. Where do they come from? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians is really the key book on this idea of spiritual gifts because it's what the Apostle Paul is discussing at length in the book. Uh, but, but chapter 12 and it really into chapter 13 um, is really kind of the, the, the heart and soul of our understanding of spiritual gifts. So let me look here with you. Uh, he begins, so where do spiritual gifts come from? That's what we're trying to answer. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now, what's really interesting there is that in the original language, the word gift is not there. Okay? It just says, now concerning things of the Spirit. And the reason why we know he's talking about gifts there is because that's the context of what he goes on to discuss for the next chapter and a half. All right, so it's clear the things of the Spirit are spiritual gifts, which is why the translators have translated it that way. Now, concerning that which belongs to the Spirit, namely the gifts that he's going to go on to discuss for the next chapter and a half. We know that because immediately in verse 4, you can skip down there with me, in verse 4, he begins the conversation. Now, Speaking of the, the things belonging to the Spirit, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And then he makes such a link between your spiritual gifting and the Spirit's presence that uh, the use of the word gift or the use of a gift is the same thing as the visible manifestation of the Spirit of God. Look at verse 7. To each is given... A gift, that's what he's saying, that, that which belongs to the Spirit, namely a spiritual gift, to each one of you is given, and then he says this. He doesn't say is given a gift. He says is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's how the Apostle Paul defines this idea of spiritual gifting. It is a manifestation, a visible manifestation of the Spirit of God at work in my life and is something that is meant to be exercised and used for the common good of his body. All right, so that's kind of an inductive uh, study into the, answering the question of where do the spiritual gifts come from? We looked at all the clues here in the text 
and now we've drawn a conclusion based upon those clues. Where do spiritual gifts come from? They come from the Spirit of God. They belong to the Spirit of God. And when you have the Spirit of God in your life, He instantly brings with Him this idea of gifting or a visible manifestation of something that is able to be leveraged and used for the, for the benefit of the common good within the church. That is what a spiritual gift really is, okay? So, Kosti Hinn, the author of the book that we've been studying, if you've been keeping up, you will have read this definition already, but let me just give it to you here up front because I think it's really good. Spiritual gifts are undeserved special abilities, special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to all believers for the purpose of building up the church. Okay, that's our definition, our working definition of what a spiritual gift is. And we'll flesh that out here just a little bit. Okay? Now that we've got the definition, let's just look at some of the key characteristics that are given to us here of spiritual gifts so that we can build out our understanding of what these are and how they're intended to be used. Okay? So the first thing that we see here as it relates to spiritual gifts is that they are exclusive. That goes without saying. Obviously, if spiritual gifts come from the Spirit to whom they belong, if they are things belonging to the Spirit, then only true believers who have the Spirit of God can have New Testament spiritual gifting. If you are not a Christian, if you do not have the Spirit of God, Every Christian has the Spirit of God based upon the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everyone, everybody does. If you have the Spirit, you have a spiritual gift or a spiritual gift set. We'll get into that in just a few minutes. There is no such thing as an unskilled laborer in the body of Christ. There is no such thing as an ungifted Christian. Okay, Every single Christian has access to spiritual gifting because every single Christian has access to the Spirit of God and with the Spirit of God comes what? The things belonging to the Spirit and therefore he blesses every believer with spiritual gifts. If you're not a believer, you can't have them. If you are a believer, you do have them. Okay? Want to make sure that that's really clear from the outset. That's the first thing we can notice here. Second thing is really the, the nature of them as being universal. I, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have us all keep our Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, because we're going to be back in this text a number of times. But there's a number of texts here that I would like for us to just hear from to bring in other parts of Scripture. So let me just divvy out some texts. Um, who can read Hebrews 2.4 for me? Okay, Charlie. And then let's do Romans 11.29. Who can do that? Right here, Kurt. And then Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, John. Um, and then let's do Ephesians, wait, we are, we, we've already done Ephesians 4. We don't need to do it twice. Okay, um, we'll, just, we'll just go through that way, okay? So they're, they're universal. Every Christian gets one. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. It doesn't say to some, to the special anointed ones. What, what does it say? To each one. Okay, we've already kind of covered that, so I don't need to belabor the point. But I want to make sure that it's clear in our minds. Okay, it's a universal blessing to everybody who has come to faith in Christ. All right, the second thing is that it is also a function of God's sovereignty. And there's many texts that we could go to. 
in the New Testament to demonstrate this, but let me just give you a couple that I think are particularly clear. Um, in, Ephes- or in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, all these are empowered, he's speaking now of the gifts that he's just listed off, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who gives or apportions to each one individually as that one would desire them? Is that what it says? As who desires to give them? He desires to give them. You see, what he's saying there is that you don't get to pick. You don't get to choose what your gift set is. No, the gifts that you've been given are a direct function of his sovereign will. And he ordains and decides who gets what. Okay, that's very clearly what we're being taught there in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But there's another text that makes that point in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. Who is there? Charlie? Distributed according to what? His will. There it is. Okay, that's kind of a slam dunk. Okay, so the gifts are the result of God's sovereignty, not your own uh, unsovereign desire. Right? That's the next thing to notice. Let's also notice here that they are completely unmerited. In verse 4, we've already read the verse a little bit, but let me go back there. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's interesting to note here that when he does use the word gift there in verse 4, it is the word charisma, which means grace. Okay, In the original Greek language, that word charisma means something that comes from grace. Charis is the word for grace. Charisma is that which comes from grace. And so what what we need to draw from that is that these things that are given to us are things that are given to us and flow out of grace. They are unmerited. They are undeserved, which is going to become very important later on in the Apostle Paul's argument because he's going to go on to say to the Corinthians, so who do you think you are if you receive these things from the hand of God and grace? Who are you to brag about your particular gifting? Uh, you didn't deserve any of this to begin with. You didn't earn any of this. And it's certainly not because of anything you've done that you've received these gifts. They're completely from God, a function of his sovereignty, and they've been granted to you by uh, his good grace. They flow out of grace. So spiritual gifts are not earned They are unmerited. The next thing we can notice here is that they are also permanent. Uh, Romans chapter 11 verse 29 teaches us that these gifts are not revocable. It's not as though you can have the gift one day and then lose it the next. No, once you've got the gift, you've got the gift. Uh, Who's got Romans 11 29? For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Oh, well, that's pretty clear, I think. We can go on with that. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. No further commentary needed there to prove that point, I don't think. All right. Uh, Next, they are essential. Okay, They are essential for the life of the church. Verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 12, our key text here, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, 
which is another way of saying spiritual gifts. To each is given spiritual gifts. Why? For what? The common good, it says, right? These things are essential for the common good of the church. The idea is if the gifts are not being utilized, then that is to the common bad of the church. But if the gifts are being properly deployed and utilized, well, that is to the common good of the church. Right? That's the purpose of these gifts. Who's in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12? Okay, thank you. So very clearly there, there's another kind of classification of different gifts that God has given to the church. In that text, they're listed off as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. All these things are gifts from God, people uniquely capable and enabled for their task. Those things given to the church by God. But it's very clear that these gifts are given for the good of the church. And the way that he describes that there is for the sake of the building up of the body of Christ. And then he's going to go on to define what that, what that maturity in the body of Christ is going to look like. But the reason why he gives the gifts is to produce and generate that maturity so that the body of Christ might be built up. Okay. Uh, then we can say that the gifts are equal. 1 Corinthians 12, 20-21. Uh, we could look at that text, and it says, as it is, there are many parts, yet there is one body. And he's going to make the argument here that every part has its function in the body. And if the body does not have this function versus that function, all the functions are necessary for the body to function. And so you can't say this gift is more important than, than this gift, that my gift is more substantive than, than your gift, or your gift is more substantive than your gift, or your gift is more substantive than my gift. Why? Because we're all members of one body, and we're all, it, he, the, the analogy that he uses here is that we're, we're all body parts within, within the same body, right? And you can't say that one is, is more important than the other. No, if a part hurts, the body hurts, my daughter, one of them last night, was complaining about her pinky toe really hurting. And at bedtime, she picked her toe up and she showed it to me. And she says, Dad, look, it's all red. It's all red and it's swollen and it's hurting. And, and I understood that. But she was really kind of miserable. I have no idea why her pinky toe was red and swollen and hurting. I, I, I don't know why. I'm not a doctor. But what I know is that her pinky toe hurting caused her whole body to pay attention to the pinky toe. It's not as though the pinky toe was more important than the pinky finger or the pinky finger was more important than the eye. No, her eye and all of her fingers were focused where? On her toe, because that was the part that was causing pain. And so that's the idea here, whereas Paul, Paul is saying, look, you've each been given a unique spiritual gift, and those gifts all need to be deployed in the life of the church for it to function in the way that it ought to function. For instance, in our membership commitments on a Sunday morning when we have new members, we talk about God having sovereignly brought each new member to himself and providentially placed them in this local assembly. Have you heard me say that before? Yeah, okay. That's very important. See, God has, in his providence and sovereignty, granted unique gifts to every one of his followers. And then he directs every one of his followers into unique expressions of a local assembly of his body where they're intended to utilize those gifts. 
And so every time a new membership wave rolls through the church, what that represents is the addition of new, unique, and important gifts that God in His providence has seen fit to add to this local church. What we're saying when we say that is that we all collectively need what you people lined up here have to offer because God has providentially gifted you and he has brought you to this place, which means in his estimation, this church needs what you have to offer us. That's what we're saying when we, when we make that statement, okay? because we believe that there are not some gifts that are more important or significant than others. That's the practical fruit of that. All right, let's just keep on going here and get through these. I know we could talk about each of these for a long time, but I want to make sure you've got a good, well-rounded understanding of, of gifting because Paul makes it really clear here in 1 Corinthians especially. Uh, he goes on in 1 Corinthians 13, and he basically says, without accompanying love, the gifts are useless. Okay? Without accompanying love, the gifts are useless. He says, look, I could speak in the tongues of men and of angels. The Corinthians thought that speaking in tongues, man, that was just, we could call it, the cat's meow. That's, that's the kind of gift you really want. But Paul says, look, even if I do speak in the tongues of men and of angels, which is something that tongues wasn't even doing, but even if I could speak in, the, in tongues to that degree, but I do not have love, I am but a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, even my body, if I, even if I give that away, but I do not have love, I have nothing. So he's listed three different spiritual gifts there in the text. The gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of giving. And in each of those cases, he says, look, if I exercise those gifts to an extraordinary degree, to a degree that has never been exercised, speaking with the tongues of angels. Nobody in the book of Acts did that. But even if I were able to speak at that level, with that level of gifting, uh, but I don't do it with a heart of love for my brothers and sisters, it's completely pointless. Why? Because God has given these gifts to his church so that the body of Christ might be built up and strengthened. And if I exercise my gift, but I just don't care about the body of Christ around me, well, what's the point in that? Right? That's the thrust of his argument there. So the exercise of spiritual gifts, we learn here, must be accompanied with love. That's the whole point. Then the last thing that I think we need to just recognize and, uh, and understand about the nature of spiritual gifting is that the exercise of the gift is required. All right? Exercise is an issue of obedience. Was somebody in Romans 12, 6, did I assign that one or did I skip it over? I think I might have skipped it over. Can somebody go to Romans 12, 6 and read that for us? Okay. So very clearly there, if you've been given a gift, you are responsible to use it in proportion to your faith. The idea being, if you have faith, which you clearly do, because if you didn't, you wouldn't be saved. You have faith. If you have faith, you have the obligation now to use that faith. And the way by which you use that faith is by deploying the usage of your spiritual gift. Do you, do you see his logic there? And we're going to get into that a little bit more here in just a few minutes. But let's go ahead and move on. All right, any questions so far on spiritual gifts, the definition of them, or kind of these key characteristics that we're trying to establish just to expand our understanding of what these things are? 
Yeah. Yeah, so, and maybe I need to clarify what I mean there. Um, there are gifts whose impact is more substantive on the broader life of the church, but that does not make you and I, if I, if I have that gift and you don't, at different levels of inequality, okay? We are at the same level. Our gifts before God hold the same value, even if perhaps your gift results in a greater impact. That would be my understanding of that. Okay? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, really good. Love is not a gift. I would say love... Love is the direct fruit of your salvation, okay? And uh, it is the ground on which your gifting is now to be displayed. So love is basically the ground underneath you as you walk and use your gifts. But if you divorce yourself from that love, you may as well be floating through outer space untethered from any kind of capsule. Like, uh, what, what are you doing, right? What's the point of this? It's not going to benefit anybody, Okay. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll get into that. Pastor Alex is going to get into that a little bit. And let me just let me let me kind of get into this next section a little bit. I want to at least introduce it, and then Pastor Alex is really going to explain this. Uh, further next week, and then I'll be back the following week and can answer any questions or wrap anything up that you men still need to understand, because I know this is where this gets a little bit tricky, okay? Uh, we believe here at New Community Church that there are two different types of gifts, spiritual gifts, that were given to the church, all right? There are temporary gifts, we can call those signatory gifts, sign gifts, that were meant to establish the church. Okay? In the early days of the church, before the full counsel of God's word had been granted, how were we to know what's true as a, as a church in those early days? I mean, against, what were, against what were we able to compare the message of these newfangled apostles to ensure truthfulness? Well, it's clear, based upon how Scripture talks about these spiritual gifts in the early days of the church, these things were given for the ratification, the validation of the message that was being brought with these men. That's what you see happening there uh, in the early chapters of Acts as the apostles begin speaking in tongues out of nowhere. Those are not heavenly languages. It's not gibberish that allows me to feel as though I'm more connected to God. That's not what tongues is anywhere in the Bible. No, tongues in the scripture is a specific human language 
that the speaker had never studied before, but suddenly finds themselves being able to speak. It would be as though I walked into a room full of, um, I don't know, um, Africans and could suddenly speak Swahili. I have never studied a word of Swahili in my life, but the gift of tongues would, would enable me to speak Swahili to those Africans because they need the truth and I'm the only one with it there in the early church. And so the Lord sovereignly enables me to speak in a language that I have never studied. Very clearly, that is the gift of tongues as defined by the, by the book of Acts. Okay? And that's a gift that once the scriptures are given and able to be translated and handed off to Africans, it is extraneous. It's no longer necessary. And that's why you don't see that happening today. And Alex will get into that next time. So a number of these gifts... The ones that you can see there highlighted in yellow, we would believe and teach that they were temporary gifts that were given for the establishment of the early church. Now, the church has been established, which now means that there are other gifts, permanent gifts. We could call these ministry gifts that were meant to strengthen the church. And that's what we're after when we're talking about our own spiritual gifts. We're not pursuing things like tongues and miracles and healings, interpretation of tongues. I don't ever call myself an apostle. Jerry, did you ever call yourself one of those? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. And let, let's hope you never do, right? Um, we, we would not look at those things, which are all clearly given in Scripture as being gifts to the church, as being ministry gifts in force today that are here to strengthen the church. Um, they're, they're not necessary because we have everything we need for life and godliness. Everything the church needs to be strengthened is contained right here. And so, Pastor Jerry, you don't ever need to become an apostle because we've got what we need from the apostles, right, for the sake of strengthening the church. All right, that's what we believe. And Alex will get into that more a little later. But I do want to give you um, just this brief chart here. I don't know if there's a slide for that or not. Um, if there's not, it's okay. You've all got it in your notes there in front of you. This is kind of a master listing of everything in Scripture that I could find that is called a spiritual gift specifically. All right, there's really five different texts that talk about spiritual gifts. Um, three main ones, if you will. Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, and they're kind of repeated there a couple times in 1 Corinthians 12 through 13. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. These are kind of the main texts that outline what the spiritual gifts are. And as you can see there, um, they're kind of split 50-50 on those sign gifts versus the ministry gifts, the temporary ones versus the permanent ones. And I don't want to get into a debate today about um, sign gifts and cessationism because then I'll steal everything that Pastor Alex has to say next week. Okay, so let's just hold all those questions and we'll come back to them. All right? Now... Let's talk a little bit about the difference between what a gift is and what a skill is, because this is also an area where people get really confused oftentimes. Okay? They, they, they tend to look at themselves and say, what are my skills? Therefore, that is my gift. And that, that would be kind of a conflation of two completely separate things. All right? A gift, as we've said, is something that is given by the Spirit following conversion and it represents a unique empowerment for life in the church. So if you had something before conversion, and now you've also got it after conversion, could that be a spiritual gift? 
No, because when does the Spirit give you His gift? Post-conversion, all right? Now, it is very possible to have a skill pre-conversion and a skill post-conversion that makes a contribution to your spiritual gift, but should not be confused with your spiritual gift, okay? A skill is a natural ability that is given by God that can be developed and sharpened through experience and environment and can be utilized in contexts beyond the church or beyond the purpose of spreading the gospel, all right? That's the difference between a gift and a skill. Gifts and skills can and often are connected to one another, but they should not be confused with one another. Let me give you a couple examples of this, all right? It would be very challenging to be a teacher if you had zero capacity for public speaking. Is public speaking a gift or a skill? It's a skill. Why? Because anybody can have that. Yes, it's still given to you by God. It's an innate ability that God has granted to you, but it can be sharpened and developed by means of environment and or practice. Right? It's something that I can get better at as time goes on, as I apply myself diligently to the training of that skill. But there's no need for the Holy Spirit to gift me with the gift of public speaking. Right? That's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a natural skill. Yes, it's been given by God, and yes, it's been, been improved through practice, but it's a skill, not a gift. Teaching, however, the true spiritual gift of teaching is not a skill. It's a gift. It's something that God has granted to me for the benefit of the church so that it might be built up. See, when a teacher teaches, what has to happen? There has to be clarity spiritually before God about what the Word of God says. And there has to be the ability to synthesize that truth, communicate it clearly in a way that connects to your life. And that requires the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to make it clear to me so that I can make it clear to you so that you can know what to go do with it in your life now. Is that a skill or a gift? That's a gift. Because if I did not have the Holy Spirit, there would be no illumination for me to know the truth. And there would be no ability whatsoever for me to connect that truth to my life or help you connect it to yours. And therefore, we say that's a gift and not a skill. Now, is that skill, public speaking, and that gift, are those two things connected to each other? Yeah. The skill helps to enable the gift, but the skill is not the gift. Do you see the difference there? Okay, now let me give you another illustration. Um, <laughs> You know, I was once talking to a, a, a very wealthy businessman uh, in my former line of work at the seminary, and he was a, a donor, major donor to the seminary. And as I was talking to him, he said, you know, Rich, as he handed me a very large check, he says, God has given me the gift of making money. You make sure that he's given you the gift of knowing how to spend it. <laughs> I said, no problem. I know exactly how to spend it. And now is probably not the time for me to get into a lecture on the nature of gifts versus skills. But, but what, he was, what he was trying to say there 
is that I, I have a gift of giving, right? That really was his gift. He gave and he gave cheerfully and God had enabled him to do that. And he was a cheerful giver. That's a gift. But God had also given to him a very specific set of skills where he was very skilled as a businessman at knowing how to see, a, see an opportunity and make money. That's not a gift, right? He, he did not understand that correctly, okay? The gift was not the ability to make money. No, that was a skill. His gift was giving, right, with a cheerful heart, something that the world just doesn't do, right? Nobody in the world wants to give away that which they've duly earned for no good reason. The desire to give is a result of the Spirit's work within your life, and to give it cheerfully, no less. That's unnatural, but it is natural when it comes from the Spirit, because that's a gift. But the ability to have the resources to begin with, yes, they're granted to you by God, but they're granted to you by means of the skill set that He has given to you. Okay? They're connected, but they're not the same. Making money is not the skill. Given, or making money is not the gift. Giving is the gift. Right, the ability to generate income, that was the skill. Okay, do you see the difference? Yeah. So with the gift, right. So I would say, good question. The installation of the gift is instantaneous. The manifestation of the gift happens via faithfulness over time, okay? And I, let, let's, let's get into that. that I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a great segue into where we're going here next, all right? Um, I, this is really important now, okay? Um, it, it, if, we've, if we've noticed, um, let's get into the explanation of spiritual gifts. Um, in those lists, if you look at that chart, um, what's really fascinating to me is that there's not a master listing and none of those lists match. It's not as though there's one comprehensive place where I can go in the scriptures and find here are all the available spiritual gifts. There isn't a text that says all of that. And none of the places that do talk about spiritual gifts, in no places do those gifts match. The only gift that is given across the spectrum every time gifts are spoken of is the gift of prophecy. But every other gift varies from list to list. Why, why is that? It's because these lists are representative and they are not exhaustive, which means that there are specific enablings that the Holy Spirit gives to you that may even not be listed on these lists. For instance, the, some people will talk about the gift of hospitality, which is the gift or the ability for me to utilize well what I have to encourage you in your discipleship. Is, is that listed anywhere as being a spiritual gift? No, it's not. But there are certain people who are particularly gifted in that way. But it's not listed formally anywhere as being a spiritual gift. So I would look at these lists and say they're representative. They're not exhaustive. Okay? A spiritual gift is that which the Spirit of God uniquely equips and empowers me for the work, for a specific kind of work to build up the body of Christ, all right? It's a misunderstanding of spiritual gifting to think of yourself as having just one gift. Better to think of the Spirit as granting to you a gift set 
than just one gift. Let me illustrate that for you this way. If you go to a restaurant like P.F. Chang's, they're going to give you a set of silverware when you sit down. And in that set of silverware, there are going to be two chopsticks, a knife, a fork, and a spoon. If you sat down at P.F. Chang's and you had a single chopstick, my son would know what to do with that, but I would be in deep trouble, right? Because I need, I, 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 one chopstick doesn't do me a whole lot of good in terms of enjoying the fullness of the meal. I need at least two, and various different things require that, that I use different kinds of instruments, like forks. When you get down to the level of the rice that's left on your plate, chopsticks are really challenging, at least for me anyway. And when I go to cut the meat, I, I, I need a knife. A chopstick ain't gonna, ain't gonna cut it, so to speak, okay? There, there's a variety of things, utensils and tools that are necessary. And I would say the same thing is true in the Christian life. The big problem with spiritual gifts that we run into is someone saying, well, I've got the gift of giving because God has financially blessed me. Well, that's not the gift of giving. It's you giving cheerfully. But people say, I've got the gift of giving. I really don't have the gift of evangelism. And so I'm going to just do this over here in the quietude of my own bank account and exercise my spiritual gift, but forget evangelism. I don't need to do that at all because that's just not where my gifting lies. Is that, is that faithful to do that? No, because we've, we're all responsible to give and we're all responsible to evangelize. Guys, we're all responsible to teach at some level, even if that's just in our home to our own children. See, we're all responsible for all of these things, and we've all been given the capacity through the Holy Spirit to do them. It's just that there are certain areas in which the Holy Spirit has uniquely enabled and empowered us for the manifestation of that gifting for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. So we've all got the responsibilities to really be doing all of these things. I don't, I'm not justified to say I don't care about those in need around me because the gift of mercy, God just didn't give me that gift. Well, no, I, I've still got the responsibility if I see your need to come alongside of you. I've still got the responsibility to exercise my faith. I've still got the responsibility to give. I've still got the responsibility to serve and to lead and to help and to bring order to the areas of responsibility that I've got. I've got the responsibility to have the gift of knowledge. I've got the, res the responsibility to teach, and I've got the responsibility to evangelize. I and you men have all of those responsibilities. All those things that are mentioned as being gifts, we've all got the responsibility to do all of them. It's just that the Holy Spirit has uniquely equipped us to varying degrees for the doing of these things. And so therefore... It's better to talk about your spiritual gifting as being a gift set, as though it were a full set of silverware, rather than being just a single switch where you can flick it on and off. And this is the only thing that I do. This is my sole function in the life of the church. You could look there at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's just do that quickly. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7. There are varieties of gifts, but one spirit, varieties of service, the same Lord, Varieties of activities, the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay? God, in his sovereignty, has created you as a whole person. And he has given you unique talents and skills and opportunities. You know, I can't look at an individual one of you and say, 
you know, to one of you, you're, you're, you're a carpenter. That's the sum total of who you are. Or you're, Tim, you're a lawyer. That's, that's the sum total of who you are. Or you're, you're a realtor, and, and that, that identifies who you are. No, y- you are more than just that in the complexity of your person and the skill sets and interests and desires that God has given to, to you. you. You are a complex person, and that drives what you do. The same thing is true when it comes to your spiritual gifts. There is a complexity to your makeup that only God knows. What does that mean? It means you can't just say, I have the gift of giving, and therefore I don't have to care about any of their gifts. No, you're responsible to engage in all of those things, but there's going to be areas where you will excel, and perhaps there will be more than one area where you will excel. Okay? It's the difference between a power switch on a wall and, a, and the soundboard that we have in the back, for instance. A power switch is just flipped on and off. Either I'm using this one gift, click, or I'm not, click, and I don't have to worry about anything else. That's not the way spiritual gifting works. It's really looking at the full composition of who God has made you, how he has wired you, how he has gifted you. And so there are different sliders, if you will, on the soundboard of your life, where it may be that God has slid the bass way up in this area, whatever that gifting is. And this, you're still responsible to do it, but maybe it, it's pulled back just a little bit. That's not, that's not as prevalent in your, in your proclivities. But this area over here, in this area of gifting, yeah, it's in the, it's in the middle here. And over here, whoa, there, there's an area that's just off the board, right? That's the better way to think of spiritual gifting. It's not just a gift that is either on or off. No, it's the fullness of, of who you are. And I think that really is the point that Paul is making in Romans chapter 12, for instance. Let's just go there, and this will be the last text that we'll look at here together this morning for the sake of time, because there's some other things I want to get to in these last five minutes. Paul says, very well-known text, and I think, Pastor Jerry, you just preached on this a couple weeks ago, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, what's that mean? The fullness of who you are encompassing everything about you, your desires, your skills, uh, your, your abilities, your interests, present everything about you, which G- Pastor Jerry brought out so capably, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's pretty clear. We understand it. The fullness of your being is to be presented to the service of God. But what really is interesting to me about this text is where Paul then immediately goes by way of explanation. Skip down to verse 5. What does he start talking about right after he says, present your bodies a full-blown living sacrifice to God? He immediately starts talking about spiritual gifts. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to, For in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. And then he goes into a listing of spiritual gifts, right? So those spiritual gifts are meant to be seen as part of the whole. You, the fullness of who you are, presenting yourself to God and seeking to serve him in everything that you do with your resources, with your skills, and with the various gifts that he has given to you. 
which is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There's a variety of gifts, there's a variety of services, there's a variety of activities, but there is one Spirit. And so with all of your gifts, with all of your services, with all of your skills and activities, we're now responsible to present the fullness of who I am to God as my reasonable act of worship, a living sacrifice before Him, so that His body might be built up. What does that mean? It means that I share my faith to see others join this body, and as they do, I leverage everything I am and can possibly do to point their eyes towards Christ so that they might become full to the measure of manhood, which is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, which also is given in the context of a discussion on spiritual gifts. Okay? That's the best way to think about spiritual gifting. So how then do I identify the unique makeup of gifting that God has given to me? Well, here's some just very practical tips. First, pray about it. I mean, he's the one who gives them, and so he's the one who has to reveal them to you. And if you're not seeking to know his mind, and if you're not walking in dependency upon him, why would he show these things to you? Why would he let you know what your gifts are? So communicate with him about these things. Pray about them. But then just begin to serve. Take the opportunities that are before you and lean into the life of the church and just begin to serve and get busy. And before long, you're going to find yourself gravitating towards certain kinds of work and, and seek to understand, right? What, what, what is it that I enjoy doing in the life of the church? Well, if you're doing nothing, you're not going to know what you enjoy doing. And so get involved, lean in, and love the church, which then leads to a third point, seek counsel. This is not something that you're supposed to just do in a vacuum by yourself. You know, my spiritual gift is like my own personal odyssey. Uh, no, no, come and seek help. Talk to elders, talk to pastors, talk to Bible study shepherds, talk to friends and say, hey, what, what have you noticed about my interests in the life of the church? What have you noticed I'm particularly well-suited for in the life of the church? Go to people that you know and respect and ask them for their counsel. What do they see to be true in you? And then finally, guys, just love the church. Christ loved it. He gave his life for it. And he's gifted you to be part of it. And you're never going to embrace the full usage of your spiritual gifting if you don't have a love for the place that Christ loves. And so lean in and embrace the life of the church, the life of the body. Love it because Christ loves it. That's the commandment that Christ has given to us. I give this new commandment to you that you would love one another. And if, if you love each other, well, you're going to then find all the motivation you could possibly ever need to lean in and serve each other and, and to get busy, to, to, to use those gifts. So those are just some very practical points of counsel that I would give to you to know how to identify your specific area or areas of gifting in the life of the church. All right? Guys, I hope that's helpful. I know we just covered an awful lot of ground there this morning, but I hope it brings some clarity to you from the Scripture and uh, will be useful to you as you seek to serve the Lord. If you've got questions, always know that I'm happy to answer them. Okay? But we'll 
See you next time with Alex. This time he's got the hard stuff. And I'm... <laughs>